Thank you for tuning in to Trevor Talks Podcast, where we talk to real people about real topics and real stories. Today's guest is guaranteed to give you some advice that you'll probably run with as a leadership expert, podcast host, and pastor of the largest church in Hawaii. Mike Kai knows a thing or two about personal growth, both in your career and in faith. My hope for this conversation is that we'd all find a thing or two and apply it in our lives today. His new book is available now, and we're just super excited to hear all about it and his story. Here's my interview with Pastor Mike Kai. Thank you for being here. Trevor, thank you so much for having me on this great podcast. This is one of those podcasts that you say when you find it, like, where has this podcast been all my life? And then you start listening to it, and it's so amazing. So thank you so much. Dude, of course. Thank you for taking the time to be here. I'm always like, I'll get these pitches and it's like, eh, or nah. But as as immediately when I saw yours, I was like, dang, like this guy's going to bring some value to people. <laughs> <laughs> I hope, I hope so. No, like I'm really just intrigued by everything that God's doing in your life through the Inspire Network, Inspire Church, like everything that God has going through your life right now, it didn't just start right off the bat, right? There's a whole story and a whole process that the Lord's taking you on a journey to get through. So I'd, I'd love to start off with just hearing a little bit about you personally and uh, the story of how God's molded you into the pastor and person you are today. Well, oh, thank you. Well, it goes all the way back to a small town in Hawaii, you know, yeah. My my parents, middle class, great upbringing, um, not perfect, but great. You know, who's perfect? I'm not even perfect <laughs> as a father, but my mom and dad were awesome. My dad was a police officer. My mom worked at the hotels and the executive offices. I've got uh, two brothers and a sister. We're all two years apart. So we grew up together, athletes, uh, you know, Boy Scouts, Cub Scouts, um, you know, everything but Future Farmers of America. We did everything but that. We could have, but we didn't do it. And, um, you know, and, and I, I, I'm, I'm a father of three beautiful daughters. We've got two grandkids. My oldest girl, get this, my oldest girl is 34. My, young, my middle daughter is 26, and my youngest is 16, just turned 16. So there's a nine-year gap between each one. And um, I became a father very early on um, before I came to know Christ. I was a single dad, got married at 19, um, on the rocks at 21. And that's really where a lot of my, my journey began to who I am today was that time. Dude, that's crazy. I'm 24 now. I couldn't imagine having a kid at 19. Oh, I, it made me grow up real quick. You know, coming from a small town and going to the big city of the University of Hawaii or in Honolulu, that's a different island. And um, talk about, you, you can get culture shock in Hawaii. So you can go from one small town in Hawaii to the big city and still get culture shock in Hawaii. So I wow. was lost. Yeah, I was lost in many ways, you know, not just yeah. spiritually lost, but lost in the crowd. And um had my first real girlfriend. I mean, I loved girls in high school. They didn't like me so much um, because I was shorter. <laughs> I know, right? I know, I know. And I go back to my class reunion, like, how you like me now? But I don't really say that. But in my mind, I'm like, too late, uh, yeah, too late. Exactly. Taken 28 years of marriage, you know, it's awesome. And um, and then, but, to, but at 19, I had to, when I got my, when I got my girlfriend pregnant, it was a, a of two by four up the side, upside my head of reality. And I quit school. Now I was in school because my whole goal was to be in the air force, uh, in the ROTC and go fly planes. This is pre top gun, um, pre Tom Cruise. 
and uh, yeah, OG. And, um, and that's what I really wanted to do. But then I had to put that on the side and I went immediately to work at the best jobs I could get at the time, Pizza Hut as a waiter and a shell gas station at night as a, um, as an attendant. So my dreams, my goals were put on the side, uh, cute Kenny Chesney. There goes my life. Um, and now all of a sudden, um, we're married and you think that that would make it better, but it didn't. Um, you have two people who are living for themselves. Um, you have two people who don't know God. God's not in the middle at all. And, um, by the time I was 21, it was so bad. Um, and I was not the person I am today. And she definitely wasn't. Um, she left, um, Trevor, I'm 21 years old now. I'm taking care of my two-year-old daughter. I'm comforting her cause her mom's not coming home and so nobody's comforting me. Mm. And it was a hard time. And at 21 and you're 24 yeah. at 21, um, I started moving up in different jobs. You know, I got a better job as a waiter here, made 30 bucks a night. Uh, I got another busboy job during the day. And then I got miraculously, I got hired at American airlines to work on the ramp. So that was big. Um, but then I'm homicidal cause I want to hurt somebody. Let's be honest. And I'm suicidal because I'm hurt at my core. And it's not a good combination, you know, when you're young at 21. And so my friends saw me and they, they saw what was happening to me, to my life at that time. And yeah. Mm -hmm. Dude, that's powerful. And I love that you bring up the aspect as like you were homicidal because you wanted to hurt somebody, you're suicidal because you hated life at that point. But like, wow, like what a realization. A lot of people won't admit if they're homicidal, nor the less suicidal. So the fact that you would even bring that up, even though it's later on down the road, like life yeah. can suck sometimes. Like there's yeah. so much that goes on. There's so many moving pieces to life. And people think like Oh, once I get married, I'll fix that. Once I do this, once I do that, it's like, dude, like you got to figure it out where you're at. Yeah. Yeah. And, and during that time, I mean, Trevor, I was like, my parents were praying for me, although they, you know, they weren't born again, but they were praying for me. I was brought up in a really mm -hmm. good environment. We went to church every Sunday. I was an altar boy. Um, we went to church every Sunday, but when, when I went to university, I just let all that go. And even though it was here, because I could memorize everything, it wasn't in my heart. It was in my head, but not in my heart. But thank God, at least something was in my head, right? And so I felt like the Lord, I, I know that the Lord showed me what my funeral would be like if I did something to hurt myself. Um, my daughter, mm -hmm. Courtney, kept me alive. So I envisioned my funeral for like 30 seconds, seeing my mom, my dad, my brothers, my sister, all like blaming themselves my daughter growing up without me. So almost like Ebenezer Scrooge, like you could go through all the, you know, the, the, the Christmases that yeah. he went through all the ghosts of Christmas past and all of that and the future. And that's when I went like, I need help. Um, but I didn't know how to cry out for help because back in, you know, I'm 53 now. So back when you're 21 in the, in the late eighties, you don't, you don't say I need counseling, <laughs> you know, today, no yeah. problem. Mental health is everything, man. And, but back then you hit it, you, you, you drank it. And, um, and my friends at this one restaurant called the Willows, which really impacted my life, um, told me, man, you got to come to church. I said, I don't want to go to church. Like all I knew was what I had, right. Growing up small town, that was it. He's got to come to my church. I said, I don't want to go to church. He kept begging me every single week that I'd work with him. He was bugging me. He didn't beg me. He bugged me. 
And finally I said, all right, so tell me about your church. Uh, tell me about your church. He goes, okay, so, well, we've got great music. I said, great music in church? Are you serious? He's like, yeah, we got great music. I said, like, well, so what? Tell me about the music. Well, we got guitars. You got guitars? We got drums? You got, you got drums in your church? Yep. We got, uh, we got, we got, we got everything. We got electric guitar. I go, okay, t- tell me about your minister. Oh, well, he wears jeans. He wears jeans. He preaches from a Bible, from a Bible. And uh, I said, wait, you got jeans, you got guitars, you got Bibles, you got drums. That's not a church, bro. That's a cult. He goes, that's not a cult. It's a church. Around too, you know? (laughs) I know, I know. So Trevor, he goes, come on, man. And so finally, I guess I was at at the point where I said, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll give that a try. I tried everything. I think I knew how to try. I'll try that. So he goes, come to church. Come on, I'll buy you breakfast. I said, breakfast free breakfast. Like I'm not even kidding when I joke, man, when somebody offers you free breakfast and you broke, you go. So I went, but I was overdressed for church and it took 30 minutes to get there. I took Courtney with me, my daughter, and she's two at the time. And we pull up in his car and it's a cafeteria with a, with, with a, with a overhead projector. I can hear the drums coming through the windows because there's no AC and I'm getting nervous, bro. First time coming to church nervous. I can only imagine what people feel like when they come to my church for the first time. Yeah. And I heard the drums in my heart. I think I could hear my heartbeat before, before the drums, Trevor. And I walk in, they take her this way. They take me that way. Someone seats me in the second row. Who puts the new guy in the second row? And I'm in the second row and I'm looking at the overhead projector words, the transparencies. I thought, what a, what a cool job. Whoever's, whoever's got that job. And I saw the words, and because I come from a music background where I would drown my sorrows at the karaoke bar or karaoke, you know, back then they give you a dollar, you pay a dollar to sing a song. People were giving me dollars to sing songs, Unchained Melody, let's roll it, or, you know, you know, Billy Joel, you know, or uh, Elton John, Daniel, you know, Daniel, my brother. But when I saw the words to the worship songs, they were, to me, non-believer, walking in, they were love songs to God. They were like love songs to God. And it's almost like at that moment, like, I know this doesn't sound right, but that's the way I processed it. I could pull God's name out and put her name in. I love you. I need you. And God flipped it. You need me. I love you. And on, they had me at song two or three. And I don't even know what he preached. All I know that I was being ministered to the way that I could call it. I had chicken skin, which we call in Hawaii is like goosebumps up and down. And I had an experience with God at that moment. I cried and, um, and I was like, I'm home. You know, I, I couldn't articulate it as home. I gave my life to Jesus that day, 1989, 21 years old. Sheesh. Dude, how wild is it that like, while you were explaining, like walking up to that church, you heard the drums coming through you get a sort of like not anxiety, like when you're going to a new place like that, like even for speaking at events, like you can relate to this, like you're going to a new place, you're walking up to the building, you hear people walking and such. And then sometimes you can hear the drums and everything and you just get that adrenaline. You're like, Oh, it's about to go down. But back in 1989, I, I can imagine like those little transparent sheets that they were scrolling through. That was cutting edge technology. Yes, it was. 
nobody <laughs> thought anything about the person's hand being like replicated on the wall. Like there's like, dang, they've got that overhead projector. And then now we have like elevation LEDs. worship and Maverick City just put out that record. They have the projection screen on there and it hit number one. So yeah. it had to make an impact on people like people that grew up in the church during that time period. And I got to see like the tail end of it. Um, late nineties, like I guess early two thousands, I could remember bits and pieces of seeing those projection screens and nobody uses those anymore. And I remember going to the doctor's office and seeing like a, the first touchscreen panels that they had Wow, for their computers. And I'd be like, Oh, it's <laughs> take three. Yeah, take three. Boom. And um, like the whole new Maverick City Elevation Worship album, they have the projection screen on there. So it obviously made an impact on people. And then being able to see technology go and go and go. But for you, you finding Jesus in a church and seeing that cutting edge technology for the time is 100% different to what somebody's going to see today. Um, And I can only imagine your church there in Hawaii. I mean, you walk in, people are greeting you, probably a coffee bar nowadays, mm-hmm. like a book or like you've just got people there to welcome you. Back in the day, it was just like, you know, you had your greeters at the door, but now like you've got teams for that, teams of people that are dedicating their time to just make sure that you feel welcome and loved. And it's just phenomenal. And I'm really curious to know, like you had that encounter with God. How long was it before you realized that God had given you the gift of leadership and <clears throat> even your church? Um, I didn't think, I never saw myself as a leader growing up. I was always like the follower or I wanted to be the leader, but because I was, uh, you know, I I just wasn't it. Um, during that time I started picking up books. My friends started handing me books. You should read this book. So I I pick up tough times, never last, but tough people do by Robert Schuller. Wow. The greatest salesman in the world by Og Mandino had nothing to do with sales, but it was powerful. Read one, two, and three. Wrote him a letter in my pain during that time. And he wrote back. He wrote a letter back. Blew my mind. Said, stop feeling sorry for yourself. I'm like, wow, I thought somebody was going to hug me. He didn't hug me. Yeah. He set me straight. And I was like, yeah, stop feeling sorry for yourself. Started reading The Richest Man in Babylon about saving money. Started reading all more leadership books. I started growing that area. And then while I'm waiting for a miracle at the age of 21 for somehow to be reconciled with my, with my wife, my first wife. I hate saying that, but it is. Yeah. Yeah. And it's during that time I'm waiting. God's changing me. The miracle didn't happen in the marriage because she never came back, but the miracle happened in me and I started growing and my daughter started getting, we started getting better even though it was hard. And then finally at the end of that, um, that, that journey, um, while I'm growing as a leader, I got involved in, in multi-level marketing because I had nothing else. My friend said, Hey, try this, join this group. It, it's going to help you. And I gotta, I gotta say that really helped me. It helped me in confidence and helped me in speaking. It helped me in, in, in educating myself when I couldn't go back to college because I didn't have time. I had to work two jobs, sometimes three jobs and slide this inside. And my mom and dad flew up and moved over from my island that I grew up on to Oahu to come and help me raise Courtney. And then at the end of that three years, part of it was I waited and waited and waited. And I was still going to church and I was going to church every single Sunday. And then finally, 
I prayed and I said at the end when it was over and it was biblically over and even though um, the writing was on the wall, I was still ready and willing to forgive. But then it was done. It was done, done. And that was the hardest part. I had to put that to rest. And then I waited one more year, Trevor. I said, God, I'm going to wait one year. I'm just going to be married to Jesus. I kept my ring on the whole time. Even when I waited and I was still, I said, I'm going to be married to Jesus. And I kept my ring on. And in that year, when it was over, I prayed. I said, okay, Lord, I need a wife. And my daughter needs a mother. And I don't have time to go find her in the old places. Um, I, I want to find her in church, but I don't want to be the creep. You know what I'm saying? I don't want to be like, hey, I want to join the internship program so I can, you know, you know. Oh, I get date. it. I get it, dude. Imagine dating in 2021, though. Just think about it. <laughs> dating apps, right? This, that, the other, and I'm, I'm still sitting here like trying to run an agency and do the whole podcast, and I'm like, I ain't got time for all that. <laughs> like, right. it's well, not gonna work. Uh, I hope you do because you're gonna find her. God's got the right one for you. Perfect, and 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 that's what I prayed. I, I, I was discipled on the radio when I drive to work. I turned my car into the University of Success at cassette mm. tapes, Zig Ziglar, popping that in while I was driving. I was listening to Chuck Smith, Chuck Swindoll, Jack Hayford, Mike McIntosh, all these guys that you listen to on the West Coast on the radio, on Christian radio. And then I prayed. So Jack Hayford said, don't be afraid to pray specifically. Pray specifically. And I thought, who am I to pray specifically? You know, I, I kind of started get, getting groomed that whatever happens, happens, not rather actually contending for something. And so I said, I'm going to contend. So I prayed. I said, Lord, if I can ever get married again, can she please be five foot seven? Okay. Five foot seven. Cause I, I didn't want short kids. Cause I remember what it was like being short. So, uh, gorgeous Chinese. Cause she's got to be gorgeous, you know, and loves Jesus more than me. She's got to love Jesus more than me. Cause if she loves Jesus more than me, we can make it through anything. And so I didn't go to church with a tape measure, you know, Asian, close enough, you know, five, six, eh, you know, I just honestly didn't even go looking. And then I went to a young adult's Christmas party, which I didn't feel like a young adult at the age of 24, 25. I felt like an old man at 25. I get that. Right. And I walk in and there she is. She's working the table of the young adult's Christmas party. And her name is Lisa Lum. And I walk up to the table. I said, hi. She says, hi. We dance that night. We go, we, we group eat. We go, we go to like a, the equivalent of Denny's in Hawaii called Zippy's. Come on. <laughs> and we, we, we start talking. And then the next day, Trevor, she called me. She called me. Now, that's a big deal because back then we, we had pagers. We didn't have a cell phone. Okay, I'm taking you back. Um, and the phone rings at my home phone and I pick it up. There's no caller ID, okay? It was a it was a touch dial. It wasn't a it wasn't a rotary, but it was a touch dial. We moved on in technology. Yeah, come on, <laughs> Trevor. I pick up the phone and it's her. I can't believe it. She goes, "Do you want to go out? I mean, I, I, would you like to go out?" I'm like, "Oh my gosh, these Christian girls are forward." Um, I said, "Yes." <laughs> Inside, I'm like, "Yes, I want to go." And um, and then today, I, I thank God that she called me because I don't know if I would have called her. And I, guys, I never asked for her number. And the crazy thing is I tease her about it all the time. I said, you took advantage of your privileges at work. You had the phone list. You had the roster, the database, and you called me. <laughs> but I'm so glad Praise you did. God, she did. 
That's what I'm waiting for. Like, find somebody with a phone list. I get that phone call and be like, you know what? It worked for Mike. It's going to work for me. Like, let's go. So you go through all of that. You right. meet the now love of your life. Um, how did everything transition into like her stepping into that mother's role and then becoming the mother of more children, right. correct? Okay, so yeah. that was the whole deal. We were a package deal, me and Courtney. And if and if you didn't take us both, you only wanted me, then it wasn't going to happen. And she was willing. I said, this is not going to be easy. And she was willing. And she stepped into it. And it was not easy. It was so hard in our first five years being a blended family. Oh, my gosh. It, uh, she... She had a hard time. Like she'd go home to her mom and dad's quite often, not sleep over, but just go, I'm going to go to mom and dad's. I'm going to go see. And, you know, I'm like, Hey, that's a problem. That's becoming a problem. But now I knew why I knew why, because it was hard for her and it was hard for me and it was hard for Courtney. And so we made it, you know, we went through counseling. We, um, we worked, we worked it out. She worked, she worked through some things. I worked through a lot of things and, and, um, we had two more daughters and, you know, and we are, 28 years old. So she's working for the church. So, so she's working for the church. I'm working at American airlines and I'm doing multi-level marketing and I'm selling bottled water. I'm, I'm hustling. I'm paying cash for everything. Cause now I don't buy nothing on credit. My pastor sees me and before Lisa and I get married, sorry, let me roll it back a little bit. Oh yeah. Trevor, he goes, I want to take you out for breakfast. This is while I'm dating her. Cause he, he heard that it's moving fast. So I said, oh, okay, I'll, I'll go. I was nervous. You know, this is Pastor Ralph. You know, he's an icon. Free breakfast, so. You got to take it. Right. And free breakfast. I'm all about the free, right, back then. So he goes, he goes to McDonald's. That's his favorite place. So he takes me to McDonald's. One Wednesday turns into two, and it turns into eight Wednesdays. And while he's trying to suss me out to see if I'm good for her, to make sure that I'm solid, he actually starts discipling me and I don't even know it. And when we get married on that wedding day, I guess I sang some songs to my wife. I was joking around with my brothers from the podium and I guess I was doing what I, what I, what I can do uh, because of all that speaking and multi-level marketing. He comes up to me when everybody leaves and he, he and his wife Ruby come up to me. He puts his finger in my chest and he says, you ought to be a pastor. Stop wasting time. You need to be a pastor. You are a pastor. And he ruined my honeymoon because <laughs> it's like Elijah throwing the mantle on Elisha. So go think about that. Second Kings 2.9 tattooed on my arm right there. You're speaking my language. <laughs> Come on. And Trevor, I tell you what, I'm, when I say it ruined my honeymoon, I'm not kidding. Because it was, it, was it was a moment that I knew was going to happen. I knew it was going to happen. I just felt the Holy Spirit telling me all this time that you're going to do that one day. You're going to do No, no, no. I want to, I want to be in business. No, you're going to do that. You're going to do that. No, no, no. I, I want to be an entrepreneur. No, no. You're going to do it. No, I want to be a millionaire. And then I put that on the altar a year later and I went, okay, I'll do whatever you want me to do, Lord. Go wherever you want me to go. Say whatever you want me to say. Be whatever you want me to be. And I got discipled on his staff. So I get saved in his church. Five years later. I'm on his staff. Two years later, I become the youth pastor. Five years later, I take over a dying church in 2001 or surviving church that had five pastors in 13 years and 60 people. 
And Sheesh. I know, right? I was like, oh, why are you sending me there? I thought you loved me, you know, <laughs> but I'll go. I, and I remember my pastor saying before, he says, if you can say yes to pastoring in the back of a warehouse with 20 people, he goes, then say yes. But if you're saying yes to the big thing with 2,000, don't say yes. If you can say yes to the thing behind the shack with that heart, then do that. Mm -hmm. And I guess that's what happened. And um, here we are celebrating our 20-year anniversary this month. And, Bro, uh, that is crazy. I know. Congratulations Thank on that. You. You, you're celebrating 20 years and you put out your book. Like – and you've got multiple, but the one we want to talk about today is that just, or that doesn't just happen. Mm -hmm. How excellence accelerates everything. I, I'm kind of like intrigued by you were working at Pizza Hut. You worked at American Airlines. What was like, I know you obviously read books, listened to radio shows and was coached by the best in that way. Yeah. But how many years did it take for you to get from working that like full-time job just to pay the bills to get to where you were pastoring a church full-time? That was a long journey. And I'm going to say that was about a 12 year to yeah. 15 year journey. Yeah. 12 years. And, and nowadays people think they make an Instagram post and they're supposed <laughs> to be glorified the next day or the next hour. <laughs> are impatient like i say it all the time like everybody's expecting to have like a microwaved dinner but they want it to taste like a charcoal steak like it's just not gonna work mm. like 12 years you spent chasing that dream that calling that you had and people are just looking for instant gratification now for someone out there that's like dang i've been doing this for 12 years and it's just not working out if you were in their scenario which you have been mm -hmm. what would you tell them i would tell them that it doesn't just happen i mean i'm not being cliche i'm not using it that don't. as a cliche it doesn't just happen it actually is obedience so it's a step of obedience to the Lord every single day, every week of every month of every year. It's following what God told you to do. Be good at the first thing that he told you to do. Be faithful with the one talent or the two talents, even though you feel like you have five talent potential. Because I was really a two talent guy in a one talent scenario with five talent potential. That's the way I look at it. Mm. I'm a two talent guy. I'm average in a one talent situation, which is horrendous but in a, with five talent potential. And so even though I always wanted more, um, David wrote in Psalms that the boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. In other words, I have a delightful inheritance. So wherever the boundary lines are for me right now, Lord, you are my portion. You are my cup. And I had to delight myself in the Lord, Psalm 37, 4, and he will give you the, the desires of your heart. I had to trust God every single day. When I didn't get promoted to waiter because I was a busboy, I had to trust God, even though I thought that they were, I was an excellent busboy, but they needed more busboys and they needed waiters. So I was kept there. Um, at that restaurant called The Willows, where my friend witnessed to me, that was pivotal because there was this lady named Kusama Kure, who was a world-renowned chef from Sri Lanka, and she took a liking to me. She was the original Iron Chef before there ever was one. I mean, this lady was tough. She was tough as nails. And she took me under her wing. She says, Michael, I really like you. You work really, really hard. You pay really good attention. Just that sparked me when the other manager was, out, was making life hard for me. She was awesome. And so 
I even comment, I even name her in my book because if it wasn't for Kusuma, who I didn't have tons of interaction with, she didn't mentor me, but just the way that she noticed me, just the way that this world-renowned chef um, actually encouraged me, actually kept me going. And then when I was the, you know, now I'm in the ministry, they, I'm, I'm being apprenticed. I'm an apprentice, right? I'm learning on the job from Pastor Ralph. I'm go- taking Bible college classes along the way because I've, I've got an instant family. And I'm doing that. And all along, I, I never thought, oh, I want to plant my church. You got to set me free, man. You gotta, I, I want to go fill, fulfill my dream, Trav. It wasn't like that. It was like, oh, I'm scared. I got to do this youth ministry. I don't even like high school kids. And then four years, three years into it, I love high school kids. And the fifth year, when God called me to take the church, I felt like separation anxiety. I felt like I really felt like something tore off of me. I didn't want to leave, but I knew God was calling me. So all of that, it's it's angst. It's trusting God. It's it's dying to yourself. It's putting away your desires. Or you, though you know you could probably do more. I know you're great. Like I wanted to be a worship leader. Pastor Ralph told me no. He goes, yeah, you can sing. Yeah, you got charisma, but you're a pastor. You're not a worship leader. And that was hard. That was hard. That was really hard for me. And so it's all these times of letting someone groom you and shape you and discipline you. And I had complete trust in him. And there were times that I was mad at him. And there are times I know I disappointed him. And there are times like there are times like it was it was difficult, but I, I hung in there and I honored him the whole way. And even to this day, he's still in my life, you know. And um, yeah, it, it was it was awesome, Trev. That is insane. Like your whole story, like we've jumped around quite a bit on like the different seasons you've went through in life, but it all paints towards the one big picture that God has had for you, obviously. Mm. And one thing that I'm really taking away from it is just perseverance. Like you stayed in where a lot of people would leave. Like one thing my friend Brian and I always say is like, we're at that part in the movie, like you're going to keep going or you're going to give up. Mm. And even with this podcast, like, I didn't, there's been moments even recently where I'm like, dang, like, why am I even doing this? Like on the outside, it's like, oh, like you talk to this person and this person. But it's like, at the <laughs> end of the day, like I'm doing it because I feel called to it. Right. Like I'm having these conversations because I feel called to have these conversations. I'm not doing it for clout or affiliation or anything like that. Like I'm just trying to trust Jesus with everything. And it's actually like with you being a podcast host yourself, number one, um, with the script being flipped on you right now, am I hired or fired? You, you definitely hired. You're yes. <laughs> Thank God. I was like, you're amazing. You're doing a great job. Praise God. I was like, dude, we've got a veteran podcaster on here. I've got to exceed expectations. Oh. And obviously, you know, but it's like <laughs> when you go into stuff like this, you've started brands, you've started churches, you've wrote books, like, it doesn't just happen. Right? It's not pixie dust. So like what you're work. doing, what your podcast, that that doesn't just happen. I mean, it's not pixie dust. It's it's hard work. When God takes someone, he raises him from the dust. He doesn't just add pixie dust. He raises him from the dust. And for you to be doing what you're doing and, and, and connecting people to all of the different genres and spheres of society that they're all coming together. I mean, you got pastors, you got musicians, you got business people. Um, it's, it's incredible the position that God has placed you in. And so, you, you know, game recognizes game. We understand that it's hard work. It's dedication. There's a lot of stuff that you said no to, to be where you are today. There's moving things all over the place and, and, and brother, you're only 21. I mean, 
No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind yeah. can comprehend what God wants to do with this. Yeah, like even going into like, it all started with a call. And for both of us, we can mm-hmm. both say that. Right. It started with a call. Did we say yes or did we say no? Like from the get-go, like it was scary. I said no. Like I didn't just say, yes, God, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. It took a while for God to really resonate that through yeah. me. And like I, one thing I haven't really discussed a ton is like I did 10 years of like free labor doing like uh, volunteering at Winter Jam events and Skillet concerts and all of these other things like learning that aspect of the ministry and then going into like, okay, like if I connect with this person, then, and it was a network game, like who can you like, not, I don't want to say who, you know, but like that does come into play when you're wanting to get in like a music industry and speaking and et cetera. And God gave me the gift, the network. And like, I kind of had to pick that up and I was mentored by some really unique people like later on in my career, Mm -hmm. even like past four years, um, mentors have picked me up and been like, Hey, I want to walk with you through this. And to really, there's no blueprint of success. Like when we pitch your book, it's not like that doesn't just happen is going to fix all your issues. No, it's going to be a stepping stone in that walk that you have right now. That's good. And all of that to say, like, I'd really like to touch on when people like pick this book up and hopefully read it in one sitting, Mm -hmm. when they put it down, what do you want them to walk away with? I want them to walk away with a spirit of excellence in no matter what they do. Like, I, I don't want people to feel pressure. Like, Oh, I gotta be excellent. But if you look through the old Testament and new Testament, I look at Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, they had an excellent spirit. Caleb had one with Daniel and his friends. They were 10 times better, 10 times better than all the other Hebrew guys that came in because they had a spirit of excellence. And they said to themselves, they set themselves apart for God. Right. They, they did the Daniel fast. Hey, let's do this Daniel fast together. All right, let's do it. We're going to name it after. We're naming it after you, Daniel. And they, they ate vegetables and water and they were better. And then Nebuchadnezzar says, these guys are 10 times better. I think that today, what we really need is people who have an excellent attitude, an excellent work ethic, an excellent spirit. And when we have that, it accelerates. I think it accelerates everything. I think my life, you look at 32 years of walking with Christ. I don't think there's been a, much of, ah, it's good enough. Ah, it's, eventually I'll say something. Yeah, that's, that's, that's good. But never had this mentality of, ah, good enough. We came in the overflow of the 70s Jesus People movement. I, I, I was in the wake of that in the 80s, in the early 90s, where there was a trickle down of that revival. And the beginning of that revival was the hippies, right? Come just as you are. Chuck Smith welcomed all these guys. They said, you need shoes. He says, they don't need shoes. No, I'm going to rip out the carpet if I have to. And they came in with all of their baggage, their free love, their long hair, their armpits. You know what I'm saying? With unshaved legs. I'm just talking about the women. Um, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> dread them armpits. Let's go. Yeah. That's some dread. Um, so, and they come in and, he, and, and they feel the love of Christ. And so it was come just as you are. Come just as you are. Right. Totally. The overflow of that can come can become more of when I was growing up in churches. God knows your heart, and that's all that matters. Yeah, it does. But in the real world, not the church world, which is a real world, but in the working world, you don't have to make a first impression. You have to make a great lasting impression. 
And, and we live in a world where people actually do judge the cover before they get to know the inside. It's just the truth of it. So this book was more of a marketplace book, more of a business book, culture curating, creative adaptation, seeing what, saw, what the Queen of Sheba saw from King Solomon, taking what she mm. saw, bringing it back, game recognized game on that one because she came in her own opulence, traveled three months to get there by caravan and military escort, picked his brain, yeah. the equivalent of me and you going to sit maybe with Elon Musk and showing us SpaceX, showing us how Tesla's made and getting to sit with him for 48 hours and seeing all of his staff and walking away going, that was the site visit of site visits of grand proportions. Wow. I think it may not have been at that level for me and for you to go to Elon Musk, but it's definitely her level of going to that was the smartest man God ever placed on earth before Jesus Christ. Wow. And walking away. And so out of that, lesson in second kings 10 i walked away with that going first kings 10 i went that is a book i've been teaching this to my staff but i never thought it, i'd ever become a book and so it became a book that's phenomenal and you know i love that you bring up elon musk because i did send an email to his pr team trying to get him on here like when i first started i was like i had that moment where i was like i'm gonna shoot for the stars we're gonna get uh, the big dogs and it's like you know, God hasn't called us to just reach big dogs, you know, like that's a mm -hmm. whole, that's a whole message right there. So many people are just like, oh, I only want to do this, 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 and this, if it can benefit me in this way and that way. And mm. it's pride. Like, yeah. so all of the resources that you have are valuable to people, like not only your congregants, but you're providing YouTube videos and podcasts and you've got the Inspire Network, the Inspire Church, like you've got everything there. How can people get involved? Well, you know, the Inspire Collective is a thing I'm really excited about. Because maybe 1% of people that go to church and end up in leadership actually become pastors. And what about the other 99 or 98%? I always wanted to equip everybody, not just you know pastoral leadership. So remember when I wanted to be an entrepreneur, a businessman, and God said no? Well, I think mm -hmm. what God has allowed me in this season is to help equip and encourage and inspire people who are in that sphere of influence, whatever it is, it doesn't matter if it's military, it's in business, it's in athletics. So we came up with this Inspire Collective magazine. I got to send it to you. It's free. And yeah. you can go to MikeKai.tv. That's my one-stop shop, MikeKai.tv. But in that magazine, and I'd love for you to be on it, would be people in every sphere of society. I've had Olympic athletes, gold medal, Brian Clay, Decathlon. Uh, I've had... Um, executive coaches. I've got entrepreneurs. I've got people like um, Marissa Bell from the Faithful app, who's the CEO of it. All in that. And I wanted to do it is just to equip people in every sphere of society, just to encourage them. Because I think we need encouragement now. There's so much stuff going on in our world right now. And I wanted to encourage people in those spheres. Look, you may not be in pastoral leadership, but you are still a marketplace minister wherever you go. Yeah. You rep Jesus wherever you go. So with that, in that business and in that schooling or whatever they do. And God still made you an entrepreneur. Like uh, one thing a lot of people discount is like uh, when you see mega church pastors having huge houses and et cetera, and it hits the news and it's like, is this where the tithe money is going? It's like, you could be a pastor and a businessman. Like you write books, you get royalties from those books. That's, there ain't nothing wrong with that. Like, <laughs> 
it's it's such a that's a whole other conversation though but obviously like moving in your life and giving you the resources to provide to other people and now like i'm just ready to go jump on a plane and come to hawaii well you need to yeah like uh if i end up working at inspire network everyone knows where it started right here but (laughs) thank you so much for taking time to be here like this has been great this is refreshing for me and i pray that it's refreshing for everyone else as well Thank you, Trevor. I pray so too. I mean, just the lo- the way that you handle the conversation, the way that ah, you're, you're, I, I was really impressed when I started listening to your, very impressed, like not like in a condescending way. I was super impressed, like how you, this new generation of podcasters, you know how to, you know how to handle the conversation and you make people feel so comfortable that uh, it, it's awesome. It's awesome. I, I, it's been an honor, a privilege to be on this with you. And uh, I pray that your listeners are blessed too. Dude, I know they will, and we'll make this happen again for sure. And for everyone that's listening, thank you so much for tuning in. Be sure to like and subscribe if you're watching on YouTube, and then follow if you're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, etc. We're going to put the link for Mike's new book in the description along with MikeKai.tv, where you can have the one-stop shop for everything Mike Kai. But again, Mike, thank you so much for being here. And thank you to New Release Today for making this episode happen as usual. And we will talk to you guys next week. Everyone wants to change the world. Capital Ministries is doing just that, one heart at a time by creating disciples of Jesus Christ among political leaders in the U.S. and foreign nations. For more than 25 years, founder Ralph Drawlinger has written Bible studies specifically for public servants. Study along with us and learn what the Bible says about capitalism, communism, abortion, same-sex marriage, and other contemporary issues. Subscribe and follow us at lifeaudio.com or search Capital Ministries on your favorite podcast platform.